Hello and welcome to the Attachment Network podcast series. I'm your host, Lori McPherson. The Attachment Network is a multidisciplinary, not-for-profit organization based in Manitoba, Canada, that aims to promote better understanding of attachment across the lifespan. In this podcast series, we have some very interesting conversations with Dr. Saima Malik, a clinical psychologist, about attachment across the various stages of childhood development. Our conversations are based on a series of brochures the Attachment Network developed called the 10 Things Project. Each podcast highlights the 10 things your child wants you to know. These points, shared from the child's perspective, helps caregivers understand what a child needs to help them grow and thrive in a complex world. We're glad you've joined us. Welcome to the Attachment Network podcast series. I'm your host, Lori McPherson, and today we're talking with Dr. Saima Malik. If attachment isn't a topic that you're familiar with, we invite you to go back and listen to episode one of this series first, which will give you a solid foundation for the rest of the episodes. Hello, Dr. Malik, and welcome back to the Attachment Network podcast series. Thanks for having me, Lori. It's so great to be back. Good to see you again and uh, super excited about today's topic. We are now delving into 10 things your toddler wants you to know. So we had some really great discussion about 10 things your baby wants you to know. And now we're moving on to those toddlers, which I think sometimes get a kind of a bad rap. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more, Lori. And so, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. It's one of my favorite topics. Yeah. So, so before we dive in, let's maybe um, set some context as far as when we're talking about toddlers, what, what ages are we, are we going to be kind of thinking about in our discussion today? Yeah, good question. I think, I think these brochures were, were designed to think about kids from about 12 months when they start moving independently and toddling around, which I think is where the term comes from, through to the preschool age range where they're not quite, they're a little more independent, but they're not quite as independent as school age kids. Mm-hmm. How does that sound to you, Lori? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some of the, the, the concepts are, are broad. And so we can think about, you know, just the, uh, my sense of it is that at this age, we're really looking at children who are starting to gain some independence. And mm-hmm. I think that that's going to be one of the things that we'll be uh, touching on in quite a few of these points today. So I'm looking forward to to just diving right in. And uh, yeah, so let's the, do it. Yeah. So the first point in our 10 things your toddler wants you to know is believe in me. I am learning so many new things every day. See me and notice my efforts. Even if I don't succeed, you give me hope that someday I will. Yeah, this one, I think is, it sounds pretty straightforward, I think. And I think, you know, when I think about toddlers and everything they're doing developmentally, everything is new, Mm -hmm. right? They're walking, taking steps, balancing, talking, trying new foods. There's all kinds of new things and they're exploring and they're trying out all these new things and they develop, they are showing amazing resilience and persistence with all of these new skills that they're developing. And so I think what we're really 
emphasizing here is less focus on the outcome, mm-hmm. on whether they can do it, and more on just showing that support, encouragement, because they will, they will, they will keep going until they get it. That's just in their nature. Mm-hmm. They fall, they get back up, right? And they're just amazingly persistent and resilient. So when we witness this and sit with them or, or watch them as they take those steps and we are sharing with them saying, wow, wonderful, great job. That's great. You can do it. They feel that from us and they soak that in. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what we're we're hoping parents remember that their words of encouragement really matter and that helps them to succeed more than teaching. Like we can't walk for them. They're mm-hmm. going to have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So many different milestones and things. As you say, the, the world just kind of opens up once they become mobile. And at this stage, you know, they may be, as you say, beginning to walk or to explore a little bit more independently. And so, um, you know, I hear what you're saying about having a caregiver um, support them through all those experiences, which again, you know, as we said earlier, kind of lays the foundation for learning things in the future. And uh, yeah, so that's a really important one, a really important place to start with this message of believe in me. So I, I like that. It's uh, it's uh, r- a really important message for our uh, toddlers. Um, and I mentioned the word caregiver. And so that reminds me about uh, the fact that the um, brochure series and the topics we're talking about are really for anyone who is caring for um, a toddler, right? Do you want to say more about who we are, sort of who our audience may be in terms of these concepts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think we think of it broadly in terms of um, anyone in a very, in a trusted position to care for a child. So this could be a parent, it could be a grandparent, um, foster parent, adoptive parent, step parent, and also in the child care field. So early childhood educators, um, care providers like a nanny, a babysitter. So trusted figures that are caring for a young child. Mm-hmm. That's broadly who we're, who we're hoping we're addressing here as caregiver. Great. Great. Thank you for that. And that is really important because all those people have a huge impact on uh, the development of the child. And so it's important to to acknowledge that all those people have a, such a critical role in supporting the relationships and attachment and growing. So wonderful. Okay, so we're going to move on to number two. And that message is, I need to know you're there when I need a hug. Hugs and holding me make me feel reassured. I love being able to rely on you. So tell me more about this one. Hmm, when I think about this one, it sounds pretty straightforward. And I think we just want to remind families that sometimes with all that new work and exploration they're doing, they're, they're, they're like um, conquering a new world. And so they're working very hard all day, every day. And so they just need sometimes to come back and reconnect to say, I just need a little love to fill me up again so I can go back out and explore and be there for me and know that this matters. This matters just as much as everything else that you're doing and that I'm doing. And this actually helps me to do more Mm -hmm. and be ready to do more. Mm -hmm. And so if families recognize that, I think they'll be ready to give that and to know that they're actually doing something amazing for their little ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's something that probably as adults, we can all relate to when we're trying something new 
or, you know, setting out into new territory, whatever that might be, you know, might be starting a new job or starting something new. We all uh, benefit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we all benefit from feeling that sense of reassurance that we have, you know, somebody's got our back. And that's, that's a saying I like to use because when I, when I try something new, I, I mm. need to know somebody has my back, you know, Absolutely. I might fall on my face or I might, you know, need to try things a second time. But I think um, have setting the stage for knowing that we have that support and, and yeah, I might need that hug on occasion to kind of get me through those, uh, those tough spots. So that's, that's a great message. And I think that's something again, we can all relate to. Absolutely. And I think it actually ties in with that first point, right? That that as parents, as caregivers, being the biggest cheerleaders for our little ones mm. and saying, you can do it and I know you can and I'm right here when you need me. Mm. I'll, I'll give you that little hug or that reassurance or that encouragement from the sidelines or right next to you, mm-hmm. right? Like you said, knowing someone's got my back. Mm-hmm. Someone Wonderful. gets me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wonderful. So... So we'll move to number three, and this is this is a, a very timely one, I feel, because it's something I feel a lot of parents will be able to, you know, relate to the struggle around this at uh, times, but the message is, give me all of your attention at least some of the time. So to feel safe and secure, I need to know that I'm more important to you than a phone or a computer. So Here's where the, the, uh, our, our, I guess, uh, you know, reliance and, uh, fascination with technology has maybe impacted our, our time and our relationships with other people. So tell me more about how this impacts and this message of giving me your attention at all of your attention, at least some of the time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key part of that. Uh, that phrase, at least some of the time. Mm. So we want, we want caregivers to remember it's not all of the time. That's impossible. Mm -hmm. And we recognize this and we want, we don't want families to feel more burdened or guilty about what Mm. they can and can't do. Mm -hmm. So we want to remind them that it's some portion of the day and it likely already is taking place. Mm -hmm. So it could be bath time. It could be the bedtime routine, could be mealtime when things that you're already doing as a family. So where maybe there's a rule, there's just no technology, there's no devices, and you're just really connecting. And so depending on the the, age, the stage of development and what your, what your child is interested in and what kind of routines a family has, this could look different from each family. And so I think we're really just emphasizing that we are busier than ever. And COVID has forced a lot of families to work remotely and children as well, older siblings. So young toddlers and preschoolers could be seeing older siblings, family members working from home and not understanding why they're present physically, but not with their attention or the emotional presence may not be there because they have to work and complete their um, commitments. Mm -hmm. And so that's confusing for toddlers. Mm -hmm. So we're at, we're reminding families that they don't have to drop everything all the time. And just to remember that at some point throughout the day, throughout the routines, it's it's nice to know that it will be a dedicated period of time where they can really connect and the child sees and feels their presence mm-hmm. with that attunement and that sensitivity. Mm-hmm. And I feel like sometimes as parents, this is, we forget that we benefit from this as well. The caregiver benefits from mm-hmm. this. So while it's something good for the child, this, this sense of attention, we also get our buckets filled, if you will, oh, what a from great, that. Yeah. So I, I, I just oh, want to, you know, yeah. think about that aspect because, uh, you know, as we talk about 10 things that toddlers need, um, 
in doing so, it's the, the parents also, you know, gaining from that. And this one in particular makes me feel like, um, you know, what a gift it is to have, you know, grab that a few minutes, as you say, whether it's story time or whatever, to have that undivided attention between, you know, people that you care about and uh, in your family. So, right. And I, I, I appreciate you bringing that up because I think, I don't think that a brochure was made for 10 things the caregiver needs to, needs to know, but that would maybe be the next project. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it mm-hmm. made me think that that could be something that the caregivers would need to be reminded of. Mm-hmm. So we are describing everything from the toddler's perspective for this episode um, so that caregivers are reminded of all the things that are the wonderful things they're already doing and the things that we're encouraging to do more of. Mm-hmm. And so I think you reminded me that we benefit too from that, that concentrated focused time of, of connection, mm-hmm. really, right? So it's that deep connection. We get to hear about something they did or mm-hmm. they get to show us because we're really giving them our 100% undivided attention. And they get we get to delight in what that is, that new thing they got to master or they got to succeed in. Or some story from once they're speaking and telling a story about friends at, at preschool or daycare. And so we get to join their world for a moment. And mm-hmm. isn't that a beautiful thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Great examples. So we'll move to number four, which is knowing that I am loved will never spoil me. I might get spoiled if you can't take charge when I need you to, And if you give in to all my wants, but I'll be just fine if you stay wise and strong and take care of my needs. So there's that word again, spoil, but I'd Mm. really like to hear about how this is, um, plays itself out in the context of toddlerhood. Oh boy. And I think this is a big hot button, hot topic button for lots of families where they worry that they are not sure how to proceed and they worry that if they don't set enough limits, that that they are in fact spoiling their child. And so I think it's what we want to remind families is what do we mean by spoiling and what what do we understand about this? So we believe that that if we're not able to give a child what they need, not necessarily what they ask for or want. So they may demand a chocolate bar before bed. Mm-hmm or before dinner, and we don't believe they need the chocolate bar. And so this could be a moment of conflict. And so we may lose our wisdom, as you said, and maybe acquiesce because it's easier to keep the peace. And so if it's a one-off, we might be able to manage. But if it becomes a pattern, we may worry that we are developing an unhealthy pattern Mm -hmm. of expecting to for us to give in. And so that's what we're really encouraging families to take a look at and to take that step back and be curious about their decision making and how they're able to understand their child's needs that's beyond the behavior. So we're not going to give a prescription, do this, don't do this. We're encouraging families to be curious and say, what does my child need? Do they need a limit? Do they Mm -hmm. need me to say, no, you can't have chocolate before bedtime? Mm-hmm. I know you really want it mm-hmm. and validate that wish and that desire and not give the chocolate, mm-hmm. right? And so is it that the child needs a limit and to see that the parent can be strong in the face of their demands? And when we can do, when we can link our 
values, with our actions and our goals as a parent, I think we remain in balance, that we are letting them know when you're asking for things that I, in fact, believe you don't, is not about what you need. Mm -hmm. I feel confident about understanding that. And through my actions, I show you that I understand you. And when we do this, we end up helping them know themselves. And then you tend not to see these kinds of demands as frequently. Mm -hmm. And so we want parents to slow down and take a look if they notice that their child is engaging in demanding behaviors and there is a worry about spoiling. That might be that time to step back and say, what's going on here? Mm -hmm. What else can I do to understand my child's needs? Mm -hmm. And there's a phrase in circle security, they say, what am I doing and not yet doing Mm. to meet my child's needs, Mm -hmm. right? So both ways, there, I might be doing some things in a wonderful way, I may be doing some things that I need to improve on. Mm -hmm. So being curious about yourself as a a caregiver, curious about your child. Mm -hmm. And I think then parents will be on their way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like that aspect of, like you say, taking a step back because you know, while the child might be asking for that chocolate bar or something else, it might totally be something else. It might be the fact that I'm just really tired and that sugar might give me, you know, I might know that that sugar might give me a a bit of a sugar rush or energy or something. So by, like you said, validating, having that curiosity, I can maybe get bit, you know, get a little bit uh, under the the surface of, of what's going on there. Okay. So, Great. We'll move to number five, which is a really fun one around uh, the message of follow my lead when we play. I need to create and play and I love having you with me. I know you're excited to teach me things, but when I'm playing, I will learn more by exploring. You can make sure I'm safe by watching me and noticing me as I learn. So tell us more about this idea of following my lead when we play. Mm. Yeah. And so uh, I think you said so much of what matters. And so that kids learn most when they can explore. I know we've already touched on this, that they're in this great period of exploration and everything is brand new. So because it's brand new, they're so curious and they want to touch everything and they want to learn about everything. And they're in a period where they want to master these skills, right? So anyone who's around a toddler can relate to wanting to help and seeing them sort of show us, you know, I don't need you. I want you. I want to do it myself. And so we are in a position to guide. And so by observing, we get to know how much assistance or help will they allow us to offer and accept from us and how much do they need? And how can we be a pres, um, a supportive presence by observing and being curious? And, and that's the following my lead part, right? So they actually learn most by exploring and not from very routine or structured teaching per se, the way that teachers do. So teachers teach, they offer new information and mm. they are trained to teach kids to learn new, new skills. And so in the early years, kids learn most from play. That's their work. And mm. so if we... Of provide the opportunity and the environment where they can explore safely and we encourage that exploration and we let them know we're here if they need help, then they will do the rest. Mm-hmm. They will do their work. Mm-hmm. And that's a really important message, isn't it? That 
as you say, toddlers work is really about that play. It's really about exploring and learning and all of us learn best when we can, you know, do tangible things and sort of get in there ourselves versus like you said, sort of being taught in a, in a strict way like that. So, um, so following your lead, I think this is a bit hard for parents sometimes to, to just kind of observe and watch and not kind of, you know, take the reins and sort of lead, um, yeah, you know, that's a very, it's a valid point. And so it takes some patience and practice and I think self-care so the, for the caregiver to say, I'm not, I am actually doing something so important by not mm. inserting myself mm-hmm. in many ways here. Mm-hmm. So it can feel like the parent is doing nothing, mm-hmm. but they're doing a tremendous thing by allowing the child to choose the activity or the the direction of the play Mm -hmm. and so parents sometimes have worries that if they're not doing enough in the play Mm -hmm. so shouldn't i be teaching about letters or colors or numbers while they're Mm -hmm. cooking and yes you can integrate counting the number of fruits or vegetables or naming those items and so so oh how many fruits do we have oh what are we going to make today right so adding to the play is certainly encouraged Mm -hmm. And so we we don't want parents to sit by and do nothing. So mm-hmm. joining in and sort of enjoying and delighting in the play. Oh my goodness, this is so yummy. Thank you for making this uh, these eggs for mommy. Mm-hmm. Mm, so yummy. So we are we're joining in and we're not saying to that that's that that is wrong. Mm-hmm. So there's no wrong or right. So we want to I think acknowledge that parents have some worries and sometimes parents worry that they're not teaching enough mm-hmm. through structured teaching mm-hmm. and sometimes parents worry that perhaps their child is not able to move on from certain activities and perhaps they have a, a bit of a fixation and they w- might worry about um about a diagnosis of some kind like autism and so that might take over in terms of their style of play and interaction. So we want to encourage parents that even if they have developmental concerns to mm-hmm. still try to follow their child's lead in the mm-hmm. play. Mm-hmm. And so that's a good one to, good one to try. And uh, as you say, parents will, will kind of learn as they go and uh, their child is growing and changing uh, week to week and month to month, as we have me- we've mentioned before. So All right. Uh, So we will move on to number six, which is I am learning how to calm myself down, but I need you to help me. When you stay with me when I'm upset or not behaving well, which is time in instead of time out, it helps me to learn how to calm down on my own. And then once I'm calm, we can talk about what happened. So tantrums are me feeling overwhelmed. And if you stay by me and explain to me what I need to do over time, I'll learn how to take care of myself. So this is a great one about uh, learning how to calm myself down, but I need you to help me because I'm just getting started learning that big, big uh, lesson in life, I guess. Well, toddlerhood, I think this is where they get that bad rap, Mm -hmm. right? So they are known to have tantrums, Mm -hmm. Uh, many, not all, Mm -hmm. but many, Mm -hmm. right? Hallmark part of this period of development. And and I think that we understand tantrums to be this big, this expression of these big emotions, these very confusing emotions. Mm -hmm. And I think it's confusing for everybody, toddlers and into preschool age and parents and caregivers alike. So 
everybody's confused and some and the, and there's lots of mixed messages for caregivers ignore the tantrums use timeouts mm-hmm. use time in so parents may not know what to do and and so what we're encouraging is again taking that curious stance to uh, and for, first appreciate that in this stage of development this is very natural and common right and there's a worry sometimes I think parents have that maybe something's wrong with my child mm-hmm. because the distress can be so intense mm-hmm. at times. Mm-hmm. And it depends on the child you have. And some kids show that distress very intensely. Mm-hmm. And that if you know that about your child, you can come to expect that. And so if your child is on that end of the continuum, then you've you're got a lot of work ahead of you, right? In terms mm-hmm. of your own acceptance, this is the child I have, and they show their feelings in big ways. And I think what we want to remind families is that first, keep them safe, right? So if they're mm-hmm. going to fall out on the floor and have a tantrum, you know, first it, they mm-hmm. need to be safe, mm-hmm. and then work on acceptance. So we're not going to talk them out of a tantrum, and we don't want to punish them for their expression of feelings. Just like we wouldn't want to be punished, mm-hmm. we want to help them to understand that they can move through the feeling. Mm-hmm. And that we will be there when they're when they're done and they're calm enough to be with us. And so this is really the heart of co-regulation. They won't learn to master these intense feelings without our support. Mm-hmm. And so when we put them on timeout, we're asking them to manage these intense emotions alone. And so that's why it often doesn't lead to success because they don't have good skills yet. They're too little. Mm-hmm. And so we, when we stay with them and we help them through... And we and then we talk about it after. That's the beginnings of co-regulation, right? And and the the really setting the stage for self-regulation. So as they mature, they will have this internalized sense of big feelings don't have to scare me. There is a way through, and so and so taught me this. I know this because I've had so many moments like this, and it's and it's always been okay. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, parents themselves have probably, you know, they're learning along with their toddlers. I mean, if we're really honest about it, I mean, I'm thinking back to raising toddlers myself, I I don't think I really experienced, uh, say, anger as as much as I learned about anger when I had a toddler, I really didn't. There wasn't much in my life that caused me to be angry, but that that's, again, you know, as a parent, you get your, your uh, buttons get pushed or you get pushed to your limits. And, you know, you're there with this toddler, as you say, who may be, you know, acting out physically or, you know, just having those really big emotions. So I'm, I'm imagining this, you know, parents of toddlers along, learning along with their child. And, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it might not be easy, but I don't know that it's a bad thing that, you know, that we can acknowledge that we are learning along with our toddlers mm-hmm. about how to handle those big emotions and that there are ways to do that, that we can learn together to, to have you say, as you say, uh, have a time in together to, catch your breath and just do something soothing or, you know, kind of manage those emotions. And um, so... And that's uh, so true. Yeah. And and I think that it, it does matter to acknowledge that because I think there's often a lot of feeling, mixed feelings for parents of, am I doing something wrong or is there something wrong with me that I can't figure this out? Or, or if there is that anger or frustration, I must be a terrible person because how mm-hmm. can I be so angry at this mm-hmm. tiny person mm-hmm. who obviously has no 
ability to to stop this and 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 so i think then guilt can follow that why am i doing this and so there's that compassion for self you know taking mm-hmm. care of yourself as a mm-hmm. caregiver and let and reminding yourself i've never had a toddler this mm-hmm. is our first time through mm-hmm. all this and mm-hmm. so we're learning together mm-hmm. i think it's so so important yeah and so the next one is really about helping me to manage my feelings number seven And I love it when you notice how I'm feeling and tell me so by using words like angry, sad, happy, afraid, surprised. It feels so good to know that you understand learning, feeling words helps me to manage my emotions and begin to understand how others feel. So there's another really important one. Yeah, I think that this, uh, this really piggybacks nicely on the last point and some of the other things we've already touched on, that it's that sense of being understood and someone having my back, someone gets me. And I know this because, because somebody is letting me know how I'm feeling. And so this, we talked about, about this in the baby episode, that parents often worry about naming feelings directly out of fear that they're imposing their will on on their child and so what we're emphasizing here is that they actually are helping them their child to know themselves and they're helping their child to know that somebody gets them mm-hmm. yeah. and so feel free to be wrong to say you know you look really mad right now because i said you couldn't have that chocolate bar mm-hmm. i get it it's mm-hmm. frustrating and mm-hmm. disappointing i'm sorry you know, I'm sorry I can't give you the chocolate bar right now. I know you really need to sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So learning all these things, um, you know, together and uh, and figuring out together kind of brings us to number eight, which is remembering that neither of us is perfect. I'm going to make lots of mistakes as I grow and so are you and that's okay. There are no perfect kids and no perfect parents. So another important reminder that it's uh, it's a bit of a messy uh, pro- project, this parenting toddlers and parenting children in general (laughs) is it ever and so i think this is so like all the parenting advice will say this right all the parenting books will say this and i think and i can't tell you the number of parents that tell me that they're striving for perfection Mm. so i hear this word used a lot and Mm. so i think that we know it up here Mm -hmm. but i think often we need to hear over and over again that there is no such thing as perfect parenting. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as perfection, Mm -hmm. period. Mm -hmm. And there certainly is no such thing as perfect parenting. And so I think it just, again, it it doesn't give us permission to not try. I think it gives us permission to forgive ourselves Mm -hmm. for the mistakes that are inevitably going to happen. And to say, of course, I'm Mm -hmm. learning. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I've never done this. Mm -hmm. So of course I'm going to make mistakes. Just like my toddler doesn't know how to walk and they have to fall to learn to walk mm-hmm. and they get up and they do it again and they do it again and they do it again. And that's what we need to do. Mm-hmm. We need to have sometimes the resilience of toddlers. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Without the judgment, right? Yeah. I don't think they judge themselves when they fall, when they're walking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. There's something to be learned from, uh, from one another for sure. Um, so number nine is about helping me to understand, help me to understand limits. Part of learning to try to push back against you. Um, Part of my learning, pardon me, is to try to push back against you. It's not personal. You, if you stay bigger, stronger, wiser, and kind, I can begin to understand limits and experience little bits of stress so that I'll become stronger too. So it sounds to me like 
Dr. Malik, these are kind of the um, the roots of of gaining that resilience that you talked about earlier. So helping me to understand limits. Mm-hmm. And so this touches on some sensitive spots for lots of parents. I think most adults will acknowledge that kids need limits and toddlers will definitely push those boundaries. And that's in their nature at this stage of development because they're trying so many new things. There's so much to say, to set limits mm-hmm, about. And mm-hmm. so it really will depend on each family and each toddler or preschooler in terms of what limits are needed and, um, and how, what that looks like. And so again, we're reminding families that limits are, are an important learning about limits. Is an, it's an important part of the stage of development and it's a natural part of this stage. And that part about not taking it personal, that's, I think, one of the key phrases there, that they're not doing it to you, they're doing it to learn about themselves and the world that they're in. Mm -hmm. And when we as the adults say, I know you really want to climb up there because it looks really fun, let's say the play structure, because they see the big kids, Mm -hmm. and they really want to join in, but they're not able to yet, because they're not physically developed enough to do that. We have to set that limit to for their safety. Mm-hmm. And they may not like it. They may fall on the ground and, and have a big, big tantrum. And mm-hmm. so we know that this may happen. And yet we will we still need to set that limit. And so what we're encouraging families to do is to recognize which need is more more of a priority mm-hmm. and, and to act in according to that need. Mm-hmm. And also, I think the other piece that stands out from from that statement is it provides small bursts of stress mm-hmm. that that are manageable. Mm-hmm. So as they explore and try new things, we give them some feedback that here you've tried some things and here's where you have to stop because now you're getting into an unsafe activity. Mm-hmm. And they may be mad and upset but we, we, we are using our wisdom to, to make those decisions and guide their actions. Mm-hmm. And that stress actually helps them to maintain that resilience and say, okay, this is not going to overwhelm me because you're here to help me and I won't get into trouble because you're making sure that I don't go too far. Right. Right. So important to, um, you know, and it's, it sounds like, it's navigating, right? It's trying things. I mean, sometimes you might, you know, the limits might be too much. Sometimes they might not be enough, but it's, it's that sort of testing things out. And it sounds, and I think this is why, you know, the work of raising toddlers is, is a big one. It's a, it's a lot of work. It can be exhausting. It can be uh, tiring. And it, uh, it, it brings us to our, our final point, which is very often about uh, caring for ourselves. So number 10 is be kind to yourself too. I know you love me, but it's a good idea to take care of your own needs once in a while. By your example, I'll learn to take care of myself when I grow up. So that important message of being kind to yourself too, because we've, you know, talked about so many different things and it, it does, uh, you know, it stirs up a lot of things in ourselves. We want to be those, those really great parents and uh, caregivers and so it's uh, it's a lot some days, and it's in and above that we need to find that time again for ourselves. You know, I noticed, Lori, you and I both are uh, are sort of 
going back, back, back and forth between parent and caregiver. And so I, I think for the listener, we want to just remind them that we're using the terms interchangeably. And so we do mean to be inclusive with those terms. And so I think, you know, we want people to use the term that they feel most comfortable with. And so, yes, I think that parents, I tend to use the word parent because I think it just comes out <laughs> more naturally, but I do mean all caregivers that mm-hmm. we discussed earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so I think we've talked about self-compassion previously in the baby episode. I think in the toddler phase of development, this is even more important because there's a lot of self-doubt that can creep in. Mm-hmm. Am I doing the right thing? Why are we in, you know, having so much difficulty? Why is my little one fighting everything that we talk about or pushing back against every decision. And so so I think I'm hoping that this podcast will remind families that all toddlers are different from each other and from other children in the family. And 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 when we get to know this particular toddler and what do they need, um, we might have to do different things for self-care. So we might be talking to ourselves differently with a feisty toddler, a really um, spirited toddler, as we call them, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right? They've got the energy, they explore, and maybe they get into more trouble. And so um, just reminding ourselves to um, that it's so important to be kind and forgive yourself for those mistakes because there's no such thing as perfect parenting. And then whatever that support looks like, um, so with, whether it's maintaining you know, physical activities or spiritual activities, um, relaxation activities. So, so that it really is endless. The the the, the coping and soothing strategies and support systems mm-hmm. that people can rely on to get through these periods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think that would be my last thoughts on mm-hmm. that. Yeah. yeah, it takes lots of energy, so it's good to good to look after yourself. Well, this has been a fascinating discussion, Doctor Malik. I really appreciate your perspectives and uh, thoughts and examples about uh, about the ten things that our toddlers want us to know. And it, uh, I think, it's very reassuring for caregivers and parents in a lot of ways because. Uh, uh, they know they're living it um, and doing that uh, challenging job, but there are lots of rewards. And I think we've uh, been able to highlight some of those. So thank you very much for the discussion. And I look forward to uh, future discussions. Thank you so much. Great. 